Hey, uh, Kevin, you've done such a good job. I'm going to ask, can you keep doing what you're doing? It's like, uh, <laughs> I know you're probably hanging from coffee. And, you know, he's like, oh no. But uh, just we, we're doing some teaching on the anointing, and I really want that sense the Holy Spirit wants to move and do some random cool God things today. Is that okay? And I just believe there's anointing uh, with the music, and uh, I just want to uh, keep it flowing. And keep it going. Everyone say flowing. flowing. Everyone say going. going. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, you can see up on the slides, uh, we are doing Anointing Sunday. Can everyone say anointing? Anointing. Anointing Sunday. This is a, we usually do this one Sunday in January. Uh, we do some teaching on the anointing. It's important to come back to what the Bible says about the anointing. It's a very real thing. Uh, it's a very practical but also a supernatural thing. And so we're also going to be anointing every single person here. Uh, we have the anointing oil ready for you, and we're going to be doing that as part of the service. Uh, so uh, usually what that means is we take a little bit of the anointing oil, and we place it on your forehead, and we pray for the anointing for this season to be imparted, to come upon your life, to be activated within your life. So who's ready for that? Yes. If you have a precious fringe that you've been manicuring over the summer... Um, maybe you can part that like curtains and we'll, we won't uh, oh do But who knows if we put God first, right? And uh, you know, if you've got a you know, special occasion to go to after this, then there's always some water and some hair dryer uh, action happening in the bathrooms there um, that can help you get rid of the oil. But we promise we won't plant too much oil on you. My previous pastor, he used to love to dose his hands in oil and he would just slap his hand on your forehead. And literally, you had oil dripping down your face, into your eyes. You used to love it. So we're going to still, by faith, believe the anointing will have that impact as we anoint you today. But we'll be doing it a little bit more practically, okay? Is everyone excited and ready for that? So let's do a little bit of teaching, first of all. Um, and we're gonna, I'm just going to see how the Holy Spirit wants to uh, work today and minister today. And so before, before we kind of... Know, allow the Holy Spirit to do some things and bring some teaching on and pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this special strategic day in this house. I thank you, Lord, that we've not only just stepped into a new year, but a new decade. I thank you, Lord, that this decade is a decade of declaration. It's a decade, Lord, where it's also uh, the year of the prophetic. It's the year of the prophet, which means that it's the year of the voice of the Lord as a starting point of this decade. And I declare right now that this is a decade of declaration. I declare that part of this anointing Sunday is not only will we have our hands anointed, will we have our minds anointed for the work that you called us to do, God, but Lord, you will anoint our lips, you will anoint our tongue in a fresh way, Lord, to declare, to decree, to speak your word out, to speak your word out over our lives to speak your word out over our situations. And I thank you, Father, Lord, this morning as you release your anointing, that you would freshen the revelation of how powerful our tongues are, how powerful our tongues are, and that the tongue is a weapon of warfare. It is a weapon of dominion. It is a weapon of harvest. It is a weapon of planting seeds. It is a weapon to push things away and to bring new things forth. I thank you, Lord, that the tongue is a weapon to build. It's a weapon to establish things in people's lives. Your word, God says, decree a thing and it shall be established for you. 
And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that as, um, as we're under this anointing, we're under this atmosphere, Lord, as we get under the teaching of what the anointing means, Lord, that you would establish a fresh understanding, a revelation that, uh, Lord, the anointing enables us, Lord, when we are anointed and we speak things out, when we're anointed and we declare things, we have the power of God to establish new things. We have the power of God not only to establish new things, but, Lord, to bring restoration to all things, to bring repair and refreshing to areas of our lives. I thank you, Father, Lord, that people here today, Lord, would sense an expectation that, Lord, it's not just the four walls around us, it's not just the carpet underneath us, but there is a spiritual realm. And I think, Lord, that your word is a powerful thing. It is a force in the supernatural realm, Father. And I thank you, Lord, when you're anointing and your word come together and as your people of God, as they walk and step out by faith, Lord, that we are a powerful force. We are a powerful people. With you, God, nothing is impossible. I thank you, Father, Lord, for that you start to stir in this place. Stir in our hearts, oh God. Stir in us, oh Lord. Lord, a new, fresh sense of faith, oh God. Lord, that faith is uh, evidence of things not yet seen. And so, Lord, as we start to declare and we start to decree by faith, Lord, we're going to sense the evidence, that sense of the carrying of dreams and understandings of the promises of God in us, like it's an unborn baby that we're carrying, Father. Lord, you're going to bring forth the promises of God. You're going to bring forth, Lord, things in our lives that's going to manifest positively. It's going to manifest fruitfulness in our lives, Father. So I thank you, Lord, for a time right now this morning that we would expect and be hopeful that this is not just a routine religious act. This is not just something that we do because it's a nice thing to do in January to kickstart church. But Lord, we're doing this by faith that this is something that's biblically aligned. This is something that you believe in. And I thank you, Lord, that you alone, more importantly, you want to anoint your people. It's not Pastor Brad anointing, but Lord, it's God, it's you, it's Jesus, it's Holy Spirit, it's the Trinity of God that you are going to anoint your people to establish them and position them and to appoint them for the season beyond in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. So understanding the anointing, first of all, I want to uh, just do a little bit of teaching here. When we talk about the anointing, we refer to uh, how it's described in the Bible. Uh, it can be defined as God on flesh doing those things that flesh cannot do. When you think about the anointing of God, it's the power of God, it's the oil of God, it's the ability of God to come onto a human vessel, a human uh, being, and to enable that fleshly being, enable that capacity of that person, that man and woman of God, to go from the natural limitation into the uh, lack of limitation supernaturally, to go into the abundance of capability or power. When the, when the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God, it's really putting God's impossibility power on you and in you and activating you in it. Is there anyone here that's excited about that? I, I just think about, you know, this is truth. This is not a, a fantasy. This is not a story that just sounds nice. When you can get this in your spirit and know that you can walk in the anointing uh, and you can understand that even in your imperfection, God can use you powerfully to be fruitful. And so the Bible says that God on flesh, if we look at 1 Corinthians uh, 4, 7, can we look at that one in a moment? 
It gives a sense of God and flesh doing things or doing those things that flesh cannot do. So it is God doing those things only he can do and doing them through a flesh and blood earthly vessel. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Who knows that when we try to do things completely in our own strength, now let me balance this, it doesn't mean we don't use our own strength, we use our mind, we use our giftings, we use our natural talents uh, that God has given us. When God formed you in your mother's womb, he gave you a certain wiring, he gave you certain giftings, he gave you a certain style of personality that would enable you to be equipped for the appointments and the assignments that he would call you to. And so don't understand, we don't kind of just you know, get a little bit unbalanced and go, it's just all God. Well, it is actually us. But when his anointing comes upon that earthly vessel, that fleshly vessel, it takes everything that we have, but it brings it into a supernatural capacity. Come on now. It takes it from a, 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 an earthly vessel that's restricted and has limitation upon its capability and capacity, and it brings it into a, an extraordinary capacity, much more beyond any human can do in their own strength. And so, as we understand, when we are anointed for a season, it means it's the supernatural coming upon our lives for a certain work and for a certain fruitfulness. And so the basic meaning the Bible talks about, when it talks about the word anoint, can everyone say anoint for me? It means to pour on, to smear all over, or to rub in. And so it actually means that there is a a transaction of the anointing to pour on, to smear in. Notice that it gets in and to, to rub on. And so there's a transaction. There is an anointing of God. But what's interesting is in New Testament life, Old Testament talks a lot about the anointing on people, but the New Testament takes that to a new place where the anointing within you gets activated as well. And so when we talk about the anointing, we're going to symbolically lay hands and anoint you and put the oil upon your head. But it's just a symbol of the work of the Holy Spirit that's not just doing it on your life, but within your life. Don't want to put your hand here, kind of between your actual heart and your belly button. Kind of, you know, this is kind of the place of your spirit. Usually what I like to worship God, I don't know if any of you notice, it's just my style, it doesn't mean you have to do it. it. doesn't mean my style is better. But personally, when I like to worship God, I love to put one hand on my spirit man, and I put one hand in the air like this. Because it just reminds me that God is not just there, but God is also within me as I'm worshiping Him. And it reminds me that I, when I worship my God, I get impacted because I'm not just mind and body, but I am spirit. And as I worship my God, my spirit is, is being uh, excited. It's being uh, giving a sense of, of praise towards the awe of God. And so also today when we lay hands on you, okay, we take an external hand and put on your head, I want to encourage you as you're being prayed for, understand that it's not just an anointed comes upon you, the Bible in the Old Testament says it comes upon you or it gets smeared on you, but the New Testament talks about the anointing within you, in Christ, you know we're going to look at this today, the word Christ, Jesus Christ, the word Christ actually means the anointed one, so if you actually just say Jesus as full name and full meaning, it's actually Jesus as the anointed one, who knows that you have Jesus on the inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and so the anointing, Jesus Christ Christ in you. The Bible says to be in Christ, to be in the anointing. The, the anointing of God doesn't just come upon you, doesn't just rest on you, but actually dwells within you. Everyone say dwell, uh -huh. which means it consistently stays. It's committed 
to actually being a part of who you are as a supernatural being born again of the power of God, giving your heart to Jesus Christ. And so the anointing is something that's so important to the identity that you have in Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one, if I'm a Christian, if I'm in Christ, when I'm in Christ, the Bible in the New Testament talks a lot about being in Christ, being in the anointing, being connected to the supernatural power of God, being in the Spirit, not just being limited to your fleshly image, but in your godly image, you're anointed, you're empowered, you're enabled to surpass your limitations, to be able to do things beyond your fleshly capability. The anointing of God is such a big staple of who you are in Christ and your Christian identity. And so when we talk about this, we talk about understanding that the anointing also comes upon you. Uh, we can have a look at 1 Samuel 24, 6, and it talks here about you know, the, the Old Testament characters of Saul, King Saul, and then King David. They were both anointed of the prophet, uh, and they were anointed by oil by the prophet Samuel when God revealed he had chosen them to be king over Israel at certain times. Now, we know that when King Saul rebelled against God and tried to kill David, David refused to harm him because Saul was the Lord's anointed. What's interesting, even though the flesh of soil, of soil, of Saul, okay, was very annoying, okay, and frustrating, okay, he was trying to king, kill David, um, David said, because he understood the revelation of the anointing, Right? He was being strategic. He wasn't being unwise. He was fleeing, finding places to hide so that David could survive. He was like going, oh, I, you know, I respect the anointing so much of Saul that though he's trying to kill me, that I'll just stand here and let him kill me. No, he was still wise. He hid places to survive, but he understood the, the, the dynamic of upon a fleshly person that has limitations, that makes mistakes, that does things that aren't perfect. The anointing of God comes upon that earthen vessel, that imperfect vessel, to do a great work beyond that, that fleshly capacity. And so David had an understanding. Everyone say understanding. He had a revelation that the anointing of God was important to respect and to honor, even upon broken human beings. And so, again, it talks about the anointing upon someone. And in the New Testament life, we go to that other dynamic we talked about within. If you have a look at the scripture... And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. And so again, why are we bringing up this scripture? We're bringing up this scripture because it just brings reverence, doesn't it, to the anointing. It brings, what does the word reverence mean? Value, importance, honor, respect, that we should hold it high. It's not something that we should be fickle about. It's not something that we should just go, oh yeah, anointing Sunday, we just got slapped with a bit of oil, that was nice, it was very symbolic, it was a token little thing, la 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 la. No, it's very much a thing where we understand, you know what, I respect and believe in and honor the anointing of God, and I want it. I want it, I want you to anoint me. I want your power. I want your impossibility power upon my restricted God, I can't do it in my own strength. I need your anointing for this season. And so the Bible teaches that the anointing is very much a celebrated thing. So even today, we want to have a spirit of celebration here, that we're celebrating. This is an opportunity. And God uses 
you know, imperfect vessels like me to use a prophet in the Old Testament is going to be used, be a pastor, but even it's not me anointing you, it's God. It's God here that's going to be anointing you. But we want to celebrate it. We want to honor this moment. We want to have reverence about it. It's important to God because he loves to anoint his people. Because the anointing highlights this, that you're his people. That you're his people, that he owns you. When, he, when you say, God, I want your anointing to come upon you. You know, when you think about ownership, we're not talking about slavery, but we're talking about family. We're talking about being knitted in, belonging. And, you know, when you think about in old school examples, when, um, you know, some family members own something, you know, usually there would be like a, a family kind of a, um, emblem that would be part of a stamp. They would put a stamp on a document or they'd put a stamp on like the doorway of a property or they even put a stamp on cattle or oxen to say, you know what, this is part of my territory. This is part of my ownership. This is my property. And not that God would see you as necessarily his property, but you're his family. And so he wants to put his mark upon you for every new season. He wants to put his emblem upon you. Come on and he wants to put his his name uh, gets resembled, you know, when you think about even the name of Jesus, when the anointing comes upon you, but more importantly, it's your response. It's you saying, God, I actually, I position myself today to say, God, I want your mark on my life for this season. I want your name on my life for this season. And why God loves it so much is because you're actually saying this in your heart there, God, I want you and your power, I want you with me in partnership do this season. I can't do this by myself. So you're actually recognizing that you need God. You're putting that honor uh, upon God as you position yourself to receive being anointed for a season. And so it's very powerful in all these levels. When we think about um, being picked or being chosen, if we look at the Old Testament, it's not about just being picked by God, but it's actually about also being empowered by God. So to be anointed by God is not only to be picked, but also to be empowered by Him for the task or position to which He has called you to. Uh, who here has various responsibilities in life in 2020? Come on now, who here is a parent? Who here is a husband? Who here is a wife? Who's a brother, sister, mother, father, grandparent, and so on and so on, auntie, uncle? Who here is an ambassador of the kingdom of God? You represent Jesus on earth. Oh. Who here is someone who's called to manifest the promises of God in your life? Every hand should be in the air there, right? Who here is called to be doing something in the marketplace right now? Whether it's a job that in the season is to pay bills, if you're believing for something bigger and greater in the next season, or maybe this is a season where you're looking to build a particular career in a particular industry that God's called you to, to influence. Who here is called to be a full-time mom? What an amazing and extremely important role that is. All these different roles. The roles that you have in your local church, the roles that you have in your community, the roles that you have in your marketplace, your university, your schools. There's certain positions that we have. And so the anointing uh, is a, uh, a thing that comes upon you to empower you for those certain positions and with a position, there's certain tasks or responsibilities and things that you're called to achieve, things that you're called to do. The Hebrew word Messiah and the Greek word Christ both mean the anointed. 
So when you think about Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, it recognizes the anointing is about empowerment for that particular role. And so what we know is, is that when you are in Christ, it means the anointing comes upon you for your role. Please never undervalue what you're doing. Because God does it. Never undervalue. I think Chris Mercer brought in a fantastic message last Sunday about own the moment. It was a great message. If you weren't here, it's on the podcast already. You can see it on the church website. I encourage you to listen to it. It was such a grounded, powerful message to remind you that you need to own the moment. Whatever season you're in, do it with the best that you can. Do it with the spirit of excellence. Uh, don't just think it as, oh, it's just, you know, yeah, whatever. God puts value on who you are and what you do. Now, sometimes your you know, family members not, may not. Sometimes the world may not. Sometimes your friends may not. But we know that we don't put our worth in the opinions of man, but in God. And so it's important to understand God values you. Values you. He values what you're doing. And again, we've had so many sermons about when you compare yourself to what other people are doing or what they're in life, it can sometimes water down with that, with that sense or feeling of the value of what you're doing. And then you can start to feel apathetic about what you're doing and frustrated and what have you. But if you spend more time hearing what God thinks and knowing the voice of God and God's thoughts towards you around His value or what you, who you are and what you're doing. Now, we know the balance here is God actually values you about what you do, Right? That your identity in God is not about what you do first. First, your identity in God is just because you are loved by God. And you are saved eternally by God, that you are a man or woman of God. You are his child. We know that that's our identity. But, having said that, faith also comes by works. In that, we know that when it comes by stepping out by faith, God wants you to do something with what you're called to do with the grace that's upon you. And so we put our identity in knowing that we're saved by grace, that God loves us no matter who we are or what we do, but also God does put value on what you're called to do. He does want you to have goals and dreams and to position yourself. And so, again, when we put value on all these things, it helps us to understand why the anointing is so powerful. We have a look here um, when it comes to uh, in Isaiah 10.27, we can bring that up. The anointing was a sign of Israel's coming Redeemer. So when, when, when Israel was hoping for a Savior, hoping for the Redeemer, the Redeemer to come, hoping for this promised Savior to come, the anointing was a sign of the Redeemer. The prophet Isaiah, looking forward in time by the Spirit of God, saw one, one thing through whom the yoke of Satan's oppression shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So the sign that there was redemption, a sign that the Redeemer was going to come, watch this, was that the anointing would come from the Savior. The anointing of God breaks the yoke of the enemy's work. Let me say that again. The anointing of God breaks the yoke. It breaks the power. It breaks the heaviness. It breaks the shackles. It breaks the locking in of the enemy's plan or purpose to try to limit your life. The anointing breaks the limitation of your life. The yoke tries to limit you. Think about a yoke across an ox or a bull that limits the movement. It's heavy. It weighs it down. It locks it in into a certain place in which the, the oxen can move. When you break off that yoke, it means that there's freedom that comes. The, uh, you know, the oxen can move its muscles, pull its shoulders back, look up, and start to, to obviously move in a lot more free way. And so in the Old Testament, a sign, everyone say sign. 
a sign that the Redeemer was coming, that the redemption was coming upon uh, God's people was the anointing that came from the Savior. We're coming through the scripture. It shall come to pass on that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. What's that burden? It's the yoke of the enemy. It's that restriction, that sense of curse, that thing that would limit you, that thing would try to hold you back, and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Because of the anointing oil. So the anointing, you are already anointed. When you're saved, when you're a Christian, when you're born again, when you're giving your life to Jesus, you are anointed and appointed. But what we understand is, is it like anything? Who knows that you don't just go and hang out with God one time when you get born again and go, great, I don't need to hang out with God for the rest of my life because that's enough, right? We know that God, His power is endless, but we need to keep going and spending time with God. Like you're a fuel tank, you need to keep being filled up. And so you might be sitting here going, but Pastor Brad, I was anointed and appointed when I became born again. Why do I have to be anointed for a season? Or why do I need to be anointed for a certain position? Because the anointing actually... Is it's, it's, it's evidence of God's uh, power upon you. But actually, do you know what happens is when you're actually doing God's work, you're actually moving in the anointing. You're utilizing the anointing. You're uh, like a car using fuel. You're actually utilizing it. It's a resource to enable you to do what you need to do. And so it's important for you to understand that you have to keep going back and getting a refresh or a refuel of the anointing of God. The cool thing is, is that the source of the anointing is endless. Everyone say endless. The source of the anointing is endless. It will never run out. But you sort of go, go back to the source to be able to receive fresh anointing, fresh fuel, kind of fresh power to keep doing what you're doing. And so what I want to say here is that not only is the anointing something, yes, we do need to be anointed for a season. We do need to receive an anointing for a new position, a new timing. Uh, this, and it's not just this Sunday that you'll receive the anointing. Sometimes, maybe three months into the year, you might need to have some personal time with the Lord where you're saying, God, I need you to pour out your anointing upon me in a fresh way right now. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling drained. I need, I need to soak in that anointing. I need your anointing to, to pour out. And you can have that private moment with God. So it's not about just this Sunday. But I wanted to answer that question. If someone was saying, but when I become born again, am I not anointed then? Until I'm always on earth. Well, you are anointed, but the anointing is something that you see, you want to keep refueling and refreshing for your life. And so it says here, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And what I love here is the word destroyed means absolutely corrupted beyond use. That the yoke of the enemy is absolutely corrupted beyond use by the anointing of your God. Let me say that again. That the work of the enemy, the, the, the schemes of the enemy, the yoke, the restriction, even of your flesh, is destroyed, the corruption, it's corrupted and it's destroyed permanently when you keep positioning yourself in the anointing. That's why when you're in Christ, when you're in the spirit, who knows that relationships flow? Yeah, yeah. Come on now. Who knows when you're in the flesh, relationships clash. Even with the ones that you love. Well, you're all a bit too quiet. Maybe it's because I'm highlighting something that's true. That's usually what happens, right? And so I want to again highlight from this teaching how really what I'm believing for is that there would be a hunger in this place that would be growing as we go through this. That there would be, see, I want to, I, I want to encourage you to be hungry today. Be hungry for the anointing. Be hungry for it. Be even 
desperate for it. Never feel desperation's always is labeled as a negative thing, but if you're desperate for God, that's not a negative thing. Godly despair is probably one of the most powerful positions you can be in. If you're des you're desperate for God, you're desperate. It means you have a deep longing hunger for God. And that will draw God to you. I want to encourage you. Hey, I want to say, if you're in business here, my encouragement to you is don't keep thinking you can do it in your own strength. Because you'll be limited. But with God's anointing, you'll break off that limitation. Hey, if you're trying to if you're trying to improve your marriage and work on your marriage, don't try and do it in your own strength. You need the anointing of God. You're trying to raise a family, you can't do it in your own strength. You need the anointing of God. You're trying to do anything for God, you need the anointing of God. Father, right now in this place, we thank you, Lord, for your breath and the power of self-reliance. Just all across this place, Lord, as you're releasing this teaching of the anointing and you're bringing fresh revelation of how important the anointing is, I thank you, Lord, that your word is helping to break off people leaning on self-reliance. Thank you, God, that as people come to a fresh realization that they can't do it just by themselves, Lord, it helps our hearts open grow hungry to receive the anointing of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is this okay so far? Yeah. You're all still with me? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. You know, Dan, as you're sitting there, I just hear the Lord say this. The spirit of encouragement that's always been on your life is a weapon of warfare for his kingdom. And I hear God saying this, that that spirit of encouragement is going to go to all different countries. I hear the Lord say that he's going to position you in the right timing to travel. And there's a spirit of encouragement on your life. And you're going to speak. And you're going to bring teaching. But I even see you having meetings with people. And I even hear this. He's going to give you a discernment to understand and sense that even people who seem so publicly successful, but you're going to know that they're hurting deeply on the inside. And you're going to be able to speak into those places of loneliness and those places of hurt and those places of heartache into people's lives who, to most other people, just seem like everything's just going really, really well. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that the spirit of encouragement that you've given Daniel, Lord, it's going to be a weapon for your kingdom, Father. I thank you, Lord. Just release that word into his heart. I hear God say to you, Dan, Give yourself permission to dream in a whole new level. Whole new level. Start to think beyond maybe what you thought previously. Father, I thank you, Lord, encourage him today. And I thank you, Lord, for Dan and Holly, for their household. Continue to pray your blessing and your favor upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God some praise. So, just going back to this particular scripture here, was talking about the anointing oil coming from the Messiah. So the people of God, the Old Testament, were looking for this anointing that would break the yoke of the enemy, the power of God, as a sign that the Messiah was, you know, finally arrived. And 
news of the anointed and his anointing was the good news or the gospel. So we know when Jesus actually was born into the earth and started to get raised, and there was some signs that you know, he was the Messiah. And as his identity became revealed to him and to also the people around him, obviously we know that now is the good news or the gospel. It's good news. It's good news. Now catch this. It's good news. Watch this now. The good news is not just, the gospel is not just that Jesus came as God in human form to the earth and sacrificed his life to break his body, to shed his blood, so that he, he became a, um, uh, I suppose, a replacement for, for us in terms of suffering, uh, sin and death, so that we could have eternal life. That's definitely the gospel. Who believes that? Right? That we can have eternal life. But watch this. The gospel is not just salvation alone. The gospel is that the anointing that Christ brought and when he ascended to heaven on the Holy Spirit is released upon the earth, that the Christ, the anointed one, the anointing that breaks and destroys the yoke of the enemy could actually dwell within you, could actually partner with you, that as you walk this walk called the Christian walk, being in Christ, that you could walk with the anointing and then you could walk unrestricted. And that's good news as well. And so what I'm trying to say here is sometimes we limit the definition of the gospel that it's just about we give our hearts to Jesus and we become uh, born again and we have eternal life. But it's also that the good news is something that you walk out while you're still alive. The good news is not just something for you to enjoy after you die. Oh great, I've got a ticket to heaven. That's definitely the gospel. That's the good news. But it's also that as you continue to live after becoming born again, you're walking in the anointing that destroys the yoke of the enemy. You're walking in someone who's anointed. Now you may be saying, but Pastor Brad, I haven't experienced that yet. I it's more experienced limitation. Well, my encouragement to you, that's okay. That's okay because. You're on a journey of going into new levels of revelation, new levels of understanding. The Bible says, above all else, seek wisdom and understanding. And so what we want to do here is to bring more understanding that your relationship with Jesus is not just so you have a ticket to heaven, that your relationship with Jesus is to strengthen your identity in Christ. That you would know, who are you in the anointing? Come on now. I can stand here before you and tell I'm a far different person in the anointing than I am not in the anointing. My wife can tell you, I'm like a completely different person in the anointing compared to when I'm not in the anointing. I'm restricted and limited when I'm not in the anointing. When I'm in the anointing, nothing is impossible. So I can stand here before you and say, there are definite elements of my life that I can see have been impacted because I've learned how to walk in the anointing. Am I perfect? No. Are there many times that I sometimes walk not in the anointing? Yes, there is. I'm just a work of progress. But if you're sitting here going, but God, when I, Brad, when I look at my life and I, I talk to God about my life, I, I see more limitation than I see breaking out. Or, Well, my encouragement to you is that's okay because you're on a journey growing to learn what does it look like? What does it feel like? To walk in the anointing. The first thing is, you need to understand that there is a thing called the anointing. And the anointing is on you and in you. But you need to keep pursuing the anointing and spending time with God and building your identity in Christ. I can tell you right now the anointing is so real because right now I can feel the anointing upon me as I'm, I'm anointed to preach this message this morning. But I can tell you by 2 p.m. this afternoon, do you know 
that by around 2 p.m. on a Sunday, I can start to feel the anointing. It's not completely leaving my life, but it starts to wear off. I start to feel tired. The anointing is a very real thing. And so, I mean, right now, I've got sh- I've got shoulder pain. I slept really awkwardly last night, and it's just, it's, it's painful. But I can feel the anointing upon me, and it's not bothering me while I'm preaching this message. So my limitation is reduced when I'm in the anointing. The other thing, too, is it's not just the anointing. We know another teaching, but it's also the mind of Christ. See, in Christ, you're in the anointing. You're walking in the power of God, but your mind has to align to the anointing, meaning you have to think what the Word of God says about you. See, you can be anointed today, but if you walk out of this building, drive home, and still keep thinking, yeah, but I'm a loser. Or, you know what, I'm just not good enough, or I can't do this. When the Word of God actually says the complete opposite, then your life won't be transformed. But again, if you're sitting here going, it just seems too hard. I want to say this to you. First of all, it's okay. Because it is hard. But I want to go back to a point that I made about five minutes ago. The greatest thing that you can utilize that you don't really need to work hard for at all. If you're sitting here going, this all sounds very, very hard. There's one thing in your heart that would be one of the biggest weapons that you can use and it's this it's despair see if you feel despair that means you're desperate you're desperate for something to change you're desperate to know what it is to walk in the anointing you're desperate for your mind to become more aligned to the word of God it's your desperation I want to say this to you heart to heart today I think a lot of times we can misunderstand this your desperation can be the greatest weapon to get you to be motivated to want to learn this. How do I know that? Because I know 20 years ago, I was desperate. I was desperate for this stuff to actually take place in my life. There were other people around me who weren't desperate. They're like, oh, that kind of sounds nice. They weren't desperate enough to get uncomfortable. They weren't desperate enough to want to study the scripture. They weren't desperate enough to really want to understand what does it mean to be in Christ? What is it? What does it mean? I mean, today you have so many tools, there's no excuses. You can go into Google and you can find so many studies and just read them, drinking a cup of coffee and commit to doing that over a couple of months. But sometimes it's a lack of desperation that causes us to not to want to seek after God. The mysteries of God are available to you and will be opened up to you if you're desperate enough. So I want to encourage you, if you're sitting there going, Pastor, this sense sounds too hard. I want to say, well, use that feeling as a sense of desperation. It's actually desperation that will motivate you to seek after God and to understand how can you run this and walk in these things. I just feel a prayer right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for people who right now are frustrated beyond. Even people who feel angry, who feel annoyed, who feel disappointed, who feel this is too hard. 
Father, I pray for those people right now. I thank you, Lord, that you would take that emotional energy. You would take those feelings. And, Lord, you would reframe them in people's hearts. That's desperation. That's just hunger to want to see themselves become everything that they were called to be. But it's just manifested in different types of emotions. Father, help people to harness that desperation. To grab a hold of those emotions spiritually, to kind of wrap them together and grab a hold of it like it's a rock of desperation on the inside that they can hang on to and say, God, I am desperate. I am hungry. I am motivated to seek after this truth, to seek after these mysteries. And God, I ask that you would reveal this truth today. Unlock it today in people's lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you're creating desperation creating godly hunger here this morning through this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you still with me? Yeah. Are you okay? All right. I'm going to come to an end here. Has this been okay so far? Yeah. All right. I want to hear talk a little bit about this last bit here. I'm just going to go to Philippians Actually, I'm just going to skip a little bit. Go, we're going to go to Philippians 4.13. We can go there. So again, Philippians 4.13 talks about being in Christ. If you're in Christ, there's an anointing for everything you're called to do, no matter how small or how great the task. And that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through Christ, meaning the anointed and his anointing. I can do all things through Christ. So when we say through Christ, it's through the anointed, who is Christ, and his anointing. I can do all things, meaning the things I'm called to do, the things that I have responsibilities for, the tasks, the goals, the people that I'm called to relate to. What I'm called to do, what I'm appointed to to do in different spheres of my life. I can do all things that I'm called to do. I can do all the things that I'm appointed to do. I can do all the things that I'm responsible for through the anointed one and his anointing. I can. I can. I can. I can do everything that I'm called to do. I can't do the things that someone else is called to do. But I can do what I'm called to do through the Anointed One and His anointing. Through Christ who strengthens me. Now watch this. I love this scripture because it talks about what I just hinted about before. That it's not just the anointing, but it's your mind being in alignment with the activation of the very anointing it's talking about. See, when you think this and believe this, and you walk in the anointing, and your mind and your spirit become partners. It becomes a unified weapon where you are able to continue to build in a season 
and you gain momentum, even if you have restrictions around about you, you break through them. How do I know that? Because I can describe a season a couple of uh, years ago where I directly studied scriptures just like this, and I was asking habitually every week for the Lord to freshly anoint me, and I would spend times in God's presence for that anointing, and I'd have scriptures like this running through my mind. I'd have times in the morning, even in the shower, when I'd be saying, nothing is impossible with Christ. The weapon of warfare is not carnal, but is mighty in God, but pulling down strongholds and every lofty thought that exalts itself against the truth of God. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I'd go into assignments, meetings, situations, for my work, for things in the marketplace that were challenging, there was momentum that took place. Deals that got done that wouldn't have got done. Relate handshakes that happened that wouldn't have happened. Or doors that would open that wouldn't open. When you do this and you get an understanding of what God's called you to and you seek the Lord, you say, God, show me what am I called to do. And getting an understanding of your giftings and your strengthings and starting to work with God to patchwork a plan for this season of your life. Can I say this to you? Watch this. It doesn't mean it's all clean. It's still a bit messy. Some things that are still annoying and some things that don't happen that you expected, but there's there's like an oil that goes before you that helps things to glide. It helps when you get stuck. It helps it to go over that thing that you would usually get stuck on. That's probably the best way that I can describe it emotionally to you. Or what does it feel like when you use your desperation to want to really see something happen in your life, to know, to walk in the anointing and to renew your mind to see transformation? That's what it feels like, to actually walk in the anointing but also be believing in your mind that you are who the Bible says that you are. It's like oil starts to pour out in front of you. And where you walk, and where you meet, and where you greet, and where you speak, and where you sow, is fruitfulness. Does it mean it's all easy? No, it's still messy. But it's like a, it's like a flow that's messy. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Is that, put up your hand if it's kind of making some kind of sense. And so even right now, I hear the Lord saying, as I describe that, I hear the Lord saying, yes, I'll be desperate for I'll be hungry for that. Let your human heart want it. Oh, let your human heart want it. Because it's God. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this morning, do you want it? Do you want it? And God's saying, let that hunger, let that want be a weapon for you. I was talking to someone this morning and I said, one of the key questions I will always ask someone if they're stuck in life, and if they have difficulty answering it, I will say, this is the key question that you just need to find out how to answer it. Because if you can answer it, then everything will start to come forth. And the question is simply this, what do you want? You know, a lot of people can't answer that question. And that's why they wander around in love. Because they don't even know what they want. When you can work out that you actually want God, you want God. You want the anointing. You want to think like what the Bible says about you. 
You want that oil to go before you. Everyone say ease. If you want the ease that comes with the anointing, then you'll be motivated to get in there and study it, get your mind thinking like this. I'm just going to ask for the musos to come. And we're going to transition. little bit more light. We can just maybe pop up some of the side lights if that's right. If I can ask some of the team just to move this here. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time right now. I thank you for the hunger for the anointing. Lord, let be a godly desperation for the anointing this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this time where we're going to anoint people for the season ahead. We pray, Lord, that as people are anointed for the season ahead, Lord, that they would claim it by faith. And I thank you, Lord, as they get anointed, Lord, that you would show them even in their thought life, Lord, how they should think. How they should think about themselves, God. That they should believe who they are in Christ. That they should think certain things, things that build an ability in their thought life. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to ask you just to keep your eyes closed. I'm going to ask the musos to work closely with me here. During worship, musos, I just sense we need, I sense we need some drumming. Because the music's been nice and anointed. Kevin, you've done an amazing job. But I, I just hear the Lord say he needs to break something here before we do the anointing. And I need the drums. So what we're going to do is, what's a song where you can just rip into the drums, man? one that comes to mind. The first one that comes to mind. Let's go with the first one that comes to mind. Is it powerful in the drums? Okay, let's hear it. Let's go for it.
Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask every man in this house to come to the front. We're not going to embarrass you, man. But the Lord says we need you at the forefront of the kingdom of God. Don't be offended if you're a woman. I'm not saying that women are important. We put so much value on women in this house. But I just feel in this moment, I need all the men to come to the front. And Matt, music team, we're going to really work closely together, so let's stay attentive, okay? Can I get the drums, the same drums? Yeah. And this is what I'm going to get the guys to do. I'm going to have all the women put your hands towards the men. Yeah. And as the women are praying, give the Lord say this. Women of the house, pray for the identity of the men to arise. The warriors... Oh, in this man, the warrior spirit will rise. Do I have any women who are passionate about seeing men of God arise? Yes! Do I have any women who are passionate about seeing men of God arise? Yes! And then I want you to pray with us, women of God. Put your hands towards these men. Amen? There is nothing more powerful than having you praise God. We passion. No capacity. The Lord is saying, praise me with passion. No capacity. Step forward, one step forward. So, if the men of this in this line, if you're usually a bit kind of more the 
the person in the back of the room, you're not usually in the front, just step forward for them. Come on, you know who you are. Okay, now I want all the other men to just gather around behind these four men or five men. And pray for this. Pray for passivity to be broken. Your God is not passive. Your God is a territory taker. And your identity in Christ is not real by your personality. See, when you're in the anointing, you can't be passive. Look at me right now and then. Look at my eyeballs. You can tell. There's no passivity about your 